Hello world. What's going on with you? Hopefully you're having a good week. I know it's only Tuesday, but uh, it is the final day of the Trump administration. Uh, so all rejoice because of that. Um, well, if you're a Trump supporter, then you know, you're probably sad and upset, but Hey, you've probably been sad upset since November. Oh, well too bad. So sad. Um, yeah. And if this is after the 20th that you listen to this and something bad happened, please know that I recorded this beforehand. Uh, I don't expect anything to happen, but Hey, what do I know? I'm not in the know, at least on that. So there's that. Okay. Um, on this episode of the podcast, I am joined by my friend, uh, MMA trainer to the stars. Um, and he is one of the coolest people I know. And I really enjoyed talking to him because I learned things that I didn't know. And I, that's one reason why this podcast exists is to learn things that we don't know much about. So it was an enjoyable time. He's definitely coming back, um, sometime later in the future. Uh, but for now, please welcome my friend Douglas Fry to the podcast. Here with my man, Doug Fry. What's going on, brother? Oh, man, just loving it on this Sunday, my nice recovery day, chilling at the house. Dude, I can, I, I, you know what, speaking of recovery, I just bought a, um, one of those little fairy guns. I used it earlier. Oh, cause I, I jacked up my calf the other day. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Game changer. Game, Game changer. changer. Yep. I, yep. I was, I was blown away. Like, yeah. I, I, yesterday I was putting ice on it and like compressing it. And then I got that thing today, like at like four in the morning, Amazon dropped it off and I was just using it. And I was like, Oh, Oh my God. It's amazing. <laughs> I was, I, I don't know why I bought, didn't buy one sooner. Yeah. I can't remember wh- where I first used one at, but like a year and a half ago, uh, that became part of the, uh, uh, recovery that became like a main recovery tool for, uh, for Jen and I yeah. sure bought, bought a, uh, hyper hyper ice, uh, high price. It's, it's, it's same, same thing. Just yeah. like there again. Yeah. Same, same, same. Yeah. Amazing. Don't know. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Amazing equipment. Oh, for sure. Before we started, we were talking about the Max Holloway fight. And if you haven't seen it, you, in, or if you don't watch MMA or any kind of combat sport, my God, you should watch this masterpiece. He Simply landed. Put, it was a masterpiece. It was a masterful performance by Max Holloway. He landed seven, or he threw seven hundred punches. Yep, yep. And landed like four hundred and fifty or sixty or whatever it was, something like insane. That, he like he, the, as far as like uh, the numbers go, he uh, has like six records just based off the fight last night, and it was like significant strikes landed, amount of uh, uh, strikes thrown, head strikes landed, like uh, you know. Like we said, Calvin Cater is as tough as they come, but you know, man, to take to take that much that many headshots, like man, that that takes some years off your life for sure. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. the the elbows didn't definitely help. Uh, the <laughs> knees, the spinning back kicks, none of that helped. But I mean, he 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 was still coming forward in the fifth, and you're like, well, yeah, what is this guy made of, right? And it, yeah. then it makes me look back at like, this is a beat fight. And I'm like, okay, well he went down. So like, how good is the beat? And now how good is Matt? Like MMA math is weird. Yeah. And that is, that is one of those weird things with MMA math, but um, I will be, I'd be excited to see, I mean, Zabit the And was it uh Pantera? They were going to be fighting multiple times and, uh, and, El Pantera. What is what is the his uh, name? Yair Rodriguez. Yair Rodriguez. Yeah, and um, and he, I, I, that's an incredible fight right there. But if we see a Zabit that showed up to the Calvin Cater fight, fight, let's say Max Holloway, it's it's a good scrap. But man, it's hard to ever say that anybody right now is on the level of Max Holloway. Oh no! I mean, he he took that last loss to Volkanovski, which I thought he won, and he just too. and he totally revamped everything. I also don't think it helped that I don't think it helped that they had to do their whole training over Zoom, you know, 
that those, that's, this- I'm still trying to figure that out too, like in, in my head, because I know that he's got to be getting some sort of like partner training in that's like it's essential, right? Um, and he ta- he talked in the post fight that they're still doing like the ties do, which is like a, all the sparring's done as play sparring, it's technical work, it's play sparring, but you're not taking those big headshots in uh, in training, and that's like again, that's like very indicative of uh, of Thai style sparring, which is done almost every single day. Um, and the fact that he hasn't done any hard sparring since the Volkanovski one fight. Right. Um, and I think that's, I think that's incredible testament to being able to still have the timing, the range, the speed, all that come into play in a, in a high level situation, which is a, in a main event, a UFC main event. Yeah. Now I, I, I was curious because luckily I can get to talk to you. Oh, for, I didn't even introduce you. For those who don't know, that's Douglas Fry. He's MMA coach to the masses. His wife Jen, multiple others uh, here in the Dallas area. So if you're ever here, please go tra- tra- uh, train at Fry MMA. Come through. Come through. Do it. Um, but anyway, um, I, I I did have many questions about that because I mean I've been around you and Jen while while you know shooting photos of y'all and. You know, during sparring sessions, even though y'all are like going like real light, it's I mean, like he Max said yesterday in the post fight, he was or in the the I guess the thing afterwards with uh, Fitzgerald and them. He was saying that he doesn't even do that sparring like where he like, you know, kicks somebody because, you know, his toes may hurt. And I was like and that to me brought up a good point. I was like, huh. He's like, I go in fresh. I feel good. I was like, how does that, you know, I've never I've never been in combat sports, but I've been around it for 10 plus years shooting it. But I've I've never seen someone not spar. Everybody I've ever shot has sparred. I can I what I'm going to attribute this approach that Max is taking now is due to what he's already gone through in the past, you know, eight nine years, just being in the UFC and uh, and having the the high profile fights that he has had and being extremely successful in most all of those fights. And there comes a point, even though he's only 29 years old, he's got a decade worth of, uh, of wear and tear from being in the gym and being in those high profile fights uh, within the UFC. And then um, what he's come to is his own realization is that he already knows that he's, he's got the tools, right? He knows what to do when it comes to fight night. And when he made the, uh, the analogy about NFL players and, uh, you know, they did it in, in grade school, they did it in high school, they did it in college. And then when you get to the NFL level, there's no, you don't, you're not going hard during during training week. You save all that, uh, heavy, the heavy goes, the heavy blows to a, a fight night or, or game night. Yeah. And, and man, I really like his approach. Um, and that's something that a lot of coaches are now beginning to uh, to have a stronger approach towards and it, it's saving your brain, save your head because you, you can't condition your head. Right. Um, you can't condition your brain, right? Like you can condition your legs and your arms from taking strikes and bruising a little less often and, you know, being desensitized to blows, you know, in, in certain regions of your body. But when it comes to the head, like you, you don't get that, you know, yeah. it's unfortunately, you know, we, <laughs> we don't have a calloused up uh, a skull that is able to take impact like that. Right. Right. Um, but the, when he did talk about like, I don't want to have, you know, when you kick, yeah, you kick somebody in the knee, you kick somebody in the elbow and yeah, you're, you could be limping for several days a week, you know, depending on what happens with one of those little bones in your, in your feet. And, right. and when he said that, I was like, man, cause we usually, we, we chop away at the legs still, mm-hmm. but it's, it is often that, you know, one of the guys is, is always like, ah, got it. And I'm like, ah, it's normal. But in my head, I'm like, how, where do I have to find that fine line? Cause working with amateurs, working with beginner pros, you have to develop, uh, the ability to, to take hard punishment, right. right. In, in the fight. So you don't freak out. Um, so I do, I do think that it's, it's still important to get some hard training on the body, not, not so much on the headshots, but right. at least on the body, um, to, to be able to cope with it uh, when it comes to fight night. But the higher levels you get, like Jen, like Jen, I don't want her going hard sparring. There's no reason for her to go, you know, once a week, there needs to be a hard sparring night. In my opinion, that need, doesn't need to happen. Right. She's a seasoned veteran, you know, and, and shit like that. But that would be something different than one of my guys who's been training with me for six months. And it's like, well, he's got to have a little bit, a little bit harder rounds, right? He's got to feel to be in that fray. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That, I mean, that, I mean, that makes sense, but I mean, like, Jen has an upcoming fight in March, right? Yeah, March 13th. Okay. So, like, 
does does what Max said yesterday, does that make you change your approach going as a coach? It, well, I mean, it's weird because you're coach and husband, but does it make your mind go a little bit differently? Like, all right, we're going to take it a little bit less on the calf kits because, I mean, that's a predominant um, it's a predominant strike now in MMA. But if you don't sure. train that, you know, you're, you know, it's, it's weird. It's different. Yeah. You know, with, especially with, with Jen, um, she's, she's her own individual. She knows, she knows what the fuck she's doing. She's been a multi-world champion fighter and now a UFC fighter. And it's like, I, I am beginning to take kind of like a, a backseat approach to how I, I coach her directly and talk about like what she has to do, what she needs to do, because she knows internally what she feels is right as far as her preparation for training. And, um, and I, I, now, now don't get me wrong. I'm always giving coaching advice and that's whether I'm got the husband, uh, light clicked on or the coach light clicked on. Um, I'm so I'm always giving advice on what I think is the best approach to do it. And what she does with that is entirely up to her and I support her for it. Again, we take that and we look at one of my my amateurs and they don't get the choice. Like you're going to you're going to work how I want you to work. Right. I'm going to develop you and we'll see what happens with, with your evolution and your uh, development. Yeah, that makes sense. Like because I've, I've, I've just always been curious. I mean, I've been around. I, I don't know if you remember this, like when you used to be at Team Takedown, I was working with Johnny. But I, rem- I remember you like very briefly it was like one of the last times it was at the gym not like the gym gym but the uh it was like this gym that was in the middle of long yes yeah it was when uh when mark layman kicked me out and for the final time that was i i remember i met you that day with steven yeah so yep crazy crazy time mark layman man we all have stories about Lehman now, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was fortunate um, enough to, whenever Team Takedown uh, kind of uh, uh, began, and uh, Mark Lehman and Chris Holdsworth and Adrian Ramirez and Johnny Hendricks, and uh, there were a couple other guys, the Rochelle brothers, yeah. Shane Roller, they all came. Um, I think they were all stationed at Cobra Kai in Las Vegas. Anyways, they made Ar- Arlington their home, and they came into the gym, and it was like, I was already training there. I was like, holy shit. When Chris Holdsworth was already a black belt in like 2009. He was um, um, the perfect size training partner. And so, and of course I had heard about the the great OSU wrestlers that were part yeah. of the team takedown crew. Right. And so I was very fortunate that I was brought in. I was, I was ultimately a premier training partner for them and considered me, I got to, I got to fly the team takedown flag in some of my fights and, um, yeah, I got a lot of good training, good world-class coaching. And, and you know, the, the format that the guys that own Team Takedown, if they if that format could be done to help a, fix a fighter not have to ever worry about bills and paying for shit, and all you do is focus on training and recovery, um, and they bring in the best coaches that they can get their hands on, Yeah, like, if, if and then buy a gym, like Velocity, which they ended up doing, they ended up purchasing that small spot in Pantigo, yeah. which was like, it, it was perfect, right, um, as far as, everything we needed. Um, but it was mismanagement from what I understand of, uh, of the business side of things. Yeah. And, then, and then it, it just, it fell apart. But if somebody can mimic that exact same thing, bro, bro oh, if man. somebody had the funds, the money to do it. Right. I mean, taking 50% of somebody's purse was ghastly. I mean, unreal. That, the- so that's, and that's where they were. It was like, okay, I know I understand that you know, they were taking care of vehicles for the fighters. They were yeah. taking care of homes for the fighters. They were giving them uh, weekly or biweekly allowances. But a lot of that stuff was like put on the tap, mm-hmm. right? So whenever it was time to get paid by the UFC or, or whoever they were fighting for, um, then they were like, all right, we got to get, now we're trying to recover some of those those funds. Um, and I think that's kind of where they started to run into a lot of trouble, uh, on that, on the business side of working with the fighters, some of the fighters, you know, in those days, like in the, in the, I guess that would have been the early 2010s. Yeah. Um, it, it would have, the money that fighters were making wasn't what it is today. And right. even though it's, I, I agree, it should continue to rise. Um, it just was in a much lower place. So then all of a sudden, like, yeah, you, you, you look forward to winning a fight, but then your paycheck is cut in half. It's like, all right. All right. Is this worth it? Is this right. what, what, yeah. But 
the format itself, I think, was incredible. Yeah. The business side of things, which I don't know too much about, um, I thought from an outsider looking in, I was just like, I think it could have been handled a lot better. Yeah, I'd agree too. I mean, Ted, Ted and them, Ted and his uh, whole crew was—they were very nice, very kind to me when I was there for the three years, four years that I was shooting with Johnny. Um, just you know, when they were telling me that you know half their pay was gone, I was like. And, and that was back when Johnny just had beat. I came along when Johnny beat Fitch in 12 seconds. And I was like, I did that whole camp. And I was like, and he told me afterwards, like he uh, lost like half his paycheck, all the bonuses. I was like, oh, hell no. Ain't no yeah. way. Yeah. The tax man cometh. Dude, and, and, and the business partners cometh. Mm-hmm. Either way. Dude, so I've always wanted to ask you. I mean, I you talk about you post about it all the time, uh, like North, like the North mythology, mythology. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like, how did you get into it? Ooh, man, um, I've always had a, a fascination with it. Um, since it's, I mean, since a child, always had a fascination with uh, with like the Nordic gods. Because uh, my last name, my last name essentially is is anglicized, so it's uh, F R E Y anglicized from f-r-e-y-r freyr and freyr is a uh is a god in norse mythology and okay. um of the vanir tribe and so my last name has a lot of the uh uh the norse mythology connotations to it so it, it made me find interest in it and then with all the uh the traveling that i've done across the world and, and going to nordic countries and um it just it furthered it even more so and so now it's like it's one of those things that i'm i'm super into man like i'm i'm I really have a, I guess, an affinity, I guess you could say, for Norse mythology and the Viking cultures and, and all of that. Yep. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're, I remember y'all's trip to uh, Iceland. Mm. Amazing. Like, yep. just, I, I've i never been big into it, but, you know, it's it's something that fascinates me. Like, watch, look, looking at your Instagram stories and what you post about it and, like, the books and, like, the text. I mean, there's, like, a whole other life before, I mean... All, you know, all people think about now is like Instagram and Twitter and all this social media crap. But there was like thousands of years ago, there was a whole other life in a whole other like community that just kind of like fell off the map. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, the end of the Viking age, I think happened, you know, right around the the end of the 14th century, maybe the middle of the, yeah, around around the end of the 14th century. And a lot of that was due to uh, Anglo-Saxon culture. Um, and all of it being intertwined. So when you look at what happened, you have the Danes and the, the Norsemen um, that, you know, they wanted more land. They wanted areas because they were, ultimately they were all farmers That's what, and, and, and sea merchants and, um, and fishermen. And uh, Vikings was like, like what you would consider like a job. Like, yeah, I, there's land over here or I think there's land over here. So we're all going to get into this, uh, this uh, wooden ship and we're going to cross, you know, whatever strait it is, whatever ocean it is. I think there's land there. There's land. I want that land. How do I acquire this land to bring my people over here and begin having my own? And, uh, you know, they found England. And, uh, and with England, England was a lot of different uh, kingdoms or tribes, if you will, that was trying to be unified um, under the name England. Um, and with, within that became certain regions of certain kingdoms were highly populized with Norse people that had settled there uh, through conquering, through deals made with these certain kingdoms. Um, but ultimately what it came into is, a, is the intertwining, the intermarrying of people. And then you fast forward generations and generations and generations. And all of a sudden, like, there's no more raiding. The Vikings have, have they ultimately have, have entered, they've become part of the, uh, the Anglo-Saxon culture. Mm. Hmm. Interesting. I was playing. Uh, I, I thought I thought this game was. I mean, it's a good game. Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I mean, that's the uh-huh. basic storyline of that game. And I'm like, I thought I, I, I again. I don't know much about that history, but now that you say it, that's basically the premise of the game. Like you got to you got to sail to England, and you got to. Yeah, it's. Hmm. Interesting. Yep. yep. Wow. And along uh, with with all that becomes comes their mythology. Right. right. Their uh, their religion and their gods that intertwine with uh, the Christian God. And and now there's wars back and forth because whose God is whose God or gods are 
protecting them and trying to help further them. And um, yeah, it gets really interesting with that as well. And then with with that, you know, Christianity kind of took over the world essentially, right. and uh, over over a time, a millennia. And um, one of the interesting things that I found was like in Iceland, especially, is that um, during kind of the the beginning Christian Catholic uh, uh, Catholic reign there in um, in the Iceland uh, community. Uh, the people who were still heathen, uh, pagan, um, they would fabricate, you know, certain charms like necklaces to look like like a cross, like a Christian cross, but it would be changed just slightly different and would be represented as Mjolnir or Thor's hammer, yeah. which you see like a lot of people wear the Thor's hammer. And it's ultimately it's like it would be the same as a, a, a Christian person wearing a, a holy cross. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's really interesting. Like artifacts have been found and it's why they did it because they had, it had it been like an outright Thor's hammer. It would have been identifiable and they would have been persecuted for, for things like that. But yeah, I just found it super interesting because it's not, it's not only there, but you know, I've, I've traveled all over the world yeah. and even in the, uh, the Inca culture in, uh, Peru and, and Ecuador and Bolivia, when the, uh, the Spanish inquisition and the, the Spaniards came down that area and began to ultimately conquer those people and try to convert them a lot of the incas still holding to their their old ways and, and believing in their old gods and all that stuff they um they were still doing the exact same thing that the norse people were doing you know two thousand miles away right and um, it's there's a there's a church in the civic in, in the city center of cusco and um it's got a massive mural from the 14th or 15th century and it's it's the it's the last supper and instead of like the middle of uh, in between juice, like there being like fish and loaves and stuff, they use what's called kui. And kui is guinea pig because that was an, a delicacy of the Inca people. So like, the, yeah, it's just, it's super fascinating. Super fascinating that, that like, I don't know, I'm just now I'm going off on different, different tangents because I'm Dude, keep from going. Iceland. Went in Iceland, been in Peru. And yeah. Dude, <laughs> I can keep going on and on and do on. It. You know? Do it. Do like it. I'm fine. I'm, I'm, enjo- I'm enjoying this do it i mean tell me more because i mean i i like learning man yeah it's just it's just super interesting how they they still try to hold on to their their beliefs and uh, even though they were they were being persecuted for um holding on to their beliefs because they weren't converting into christianity um they still were holding true to themselves and i find that fascinating and i and, and i find that very noble you know it's like i understand uh that there was there was certain um ideals that were trying to be instated by the Spaniards, by, by Christian, Christian men. And, um, but ultimately what it, what it was, is it was conquering. It was yeah. a conquering of people and acquiring, uh, their, their goods. And, um, yeah, I think it's also a shitty part of humanity for, for something like that, but it is what it is. This is just where we are, where we have evolved into. And now we're in 2021 and right. Yeah, now we're able to look back on that and be like, hey, that's actually really crazy. Holy shit. Yeah. Not only did it happen here, but it happened here and it happened here and it happened here. And if you really like look at cultures from all over the world where Christianity came into, it is it's the same thing over and over and over and over. Man. Like we, when you when you put it like that, it makes it seem like Christianity is uh it's this big overlord and everything has to like bow down to it. And then it makes you at least me, it makes me think like Cause I, I, cause randomly I look at all, like my favorite Twitter feed is it's called right wing Twitter or right wing watch on Twitter. And it posts all these like pastors who were like prophesying that Trump was going to win the election. God told them that, and that they, you know, that they're spiritual advisors and all, and just all this other stuff. And now that he lost the election, you know, you're like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, what God were you serving? And then it brings uh, up that uh, point. Like, I'm like, well, like, are you just some guy who's just like, yes, God told me that, you know, Trump's going to win four more years. And now you're like having to walk it back. You're like, ah, uh, you know, sometimes this, that, and the other. And you're like, eh. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a strange thing. Like I, even I grew up uh, in a, in a Christian household um, uh, from, from about like four or five years old and uh, a, a type of Christianity that's like a little bit more hardcore. It's, it's called uh, Pentecostal. Yeah. Apostolic. Yeah. So I, I was, man, I was in that for, until I was about 14 years old. So a good 10 years of my life growing up, had some great memories, did some great like summer camps and made some great friends and, you know, had a good time. As I was a kid, find a good, good time in anything, right? Sure. Give me, give me a, 
a dirt hole with some water and I'm going to have a good time, bro. Yeah. Making some mud. Um, but yeah, outside of that, like growing up and then unplugging from it and then really losing any type of, uh, um, interest in Christianity itself. Like, uh, as I grew older and, uh, and then, you know, like looking into how did Christianity get here? How did it get here? And with my world travels and, and things like that, I was like, Oh my goodness. Like, I'm not saying that all Christians are bad, that their whole agenda is to take over the world. But I mean, they, they, they ultimately, they want to prophesy and convert anybody and everybody. And that's, that's, that's in their book. That's in the Bible. Like you need to go out and you need to convert people. Right. And, uh, and it's like, some people are like, just go away. I don't, I don't need you to come convert me. Like you're yeah. welcome to like come and sit down and eat and, and we can be friends. You yeah. Know? But yeah, when, when you start like trying to take over my beliefs and, and things like that, but you know, it is, it is what it is. Yeah. It's, it's weird. I, I mean, I grew up, I mean, I still go to church. I was, you know, still Christian, non-denominational. I've been to Pentecostal church. I have friends who are Pentecostal and you know, that was, that was different. It, Wild. <laughs> wild wild's a good word um, get wild bro <laughs> man i i have a i had a crazy experience a girl that i liked back in the day she invited me to her church and it was pentecostal and i was like holy shit what is this what is this craziness that's going on here yep oh yes yep, <laughs> yeah yep, yep. man man i've got i've got so many stories and like it's like going into rolodex memory of thinking about all the times you know you know, one of the things that I saw when I, when I was very, very young is people would speak in tongues, right? Yeah. In front of the whole congregation, there'd be like, everybody would be kind of be just praying and be silent. And then all of a sudden, somebody in the congregation would start screaming in what they would call tongues. What yeah. language it is, I have no idea. But after they would get done saying what they said, somebody else, a couple of minutes later, would interpret it. Oh. And, uh, and I was like, and so for me, in my head, I was like, how is this possible? What's happening? Is this real? Like, yeah. are they given some sort of understanding, some, some decipherer? Like, what's going on? But going into my own personal life, I had a, uh, I had a stepfather for about six months, uh, maybe a full year. Uh, my mother remarried one time um, in the uh, early 90s. And, um, and that man ended up turning out to be uh, basically a wolf in sheep's clothing. And he was not a Christian man. He was not a good person whatsoever. Oh. And he was one of the guys that they interpreted. And, oh. uh, and I, and in my head, I was just like, okay, this is, then it's fake. This is a hundred percent fake. The right. speaking is fake. The interpretation is fake. I'm mentally starting to unplug. Like this is this, I'm, I'm a child, but I already can identify that. And from then on, I just started noticing certain things. And then becoming a young adult, I ended up moving in with my father when I was 14. He was complete opposite. He was just like, Oh, you're in middle school. All right. Let's buy you some daiquiris. You know, <laughs> if you decide to have sex, make sure and wrap it up. And, right. You know, polar opposite from my mother. And, but also it gave me that moment to be from into one extreme into a completely another extreme. And it's like, all right, now I'm a young man. How do I figure this out and juggle this? But I was able to do okay. And here I am. I've made it 38 years old. Boom. He's made it everybody. <laughs> He's just fine, father. Um, yeah, that's yeah, man. That I I have I've been in church my whole life. I went to the same church for for many years, like twenty one years, and I saw I the older I got, I saw the disparity between people with money in the church and people without money, and then that that kind of just played. Like, I mean, I can tell a story. I had my oldest daughter. I, you know, I wasn't married, but I had my oldest daughter and I got kicked out. I used to play the bass. I used to did that for a long time and they kicked me out the band. And, you know, a person, another person was in the band, did things that were far worse and half illegal with a minor. And that person got to stay and remain. Why? Because his daddy got money. So I was like, you know. You know, we're not my my family. My mom was not rich by any means compared to these people. But I was like, well, there you go. So it's just about giving money. If you give money, then you can do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. What a weird thing, man. But but you know, I've also it uh, on on the other side of the coin. Like I've gone to some churches, especially some non-denominal churches, and I'm like, like there's a good vibe. There's a good feeling, and these people just they just want to 
have their religious beliefs and they want to sing and they want to praise God, yeah. you know, and I find that incredible. And, you know, I find that there's good energy and, and good, good power there. But, you know, nowadays I'm just like, yeah, it's, it's like, it's fine. Do your thing. Like it's, and I want you to enjoy your, your worshiping and enjoy yourself like right. for real. Um, on the other side, like people that are in it and it's like, who's the fucking, who's the, who's the televangelist that, um, he looks crazy as fuck. Kenneth Copeland. That's him. Yeah. Bro. Bro that's a, that's a snake, man. That's yeah. a snake. Yeah. He, uh, I, when, we, when I was a kid, my pastor at the, the, my old pastor used to be very good friends with him and like give him lots of money. And I mean, look, I mean, you look at him now and you're like, there's something off with you, man. Like, you laugh. I mean, like the fact, I mean, a lot of, I mean, I, 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 I've gone into his, into him, like religiously I've on the podcast. I've, I've beat into him. I've given him dumbass of the week awards multiple times. Cause I mean, like, <laughs> so this is ultimately, this is a horse that just keeps getting beat. Dude, I, <laughs> right I mean, <laughs> like, I mean, there's so, I mean, there's so many things. The, like the whole when he was laughing about Joe Biden, the him like spitting at COVID at the beginning, like this will be done in a week. <laughs> like, yeah, what? I, was I like, watched it. I watched the remakes. I watched all that <laughs> stuff and I cracked up over and over. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm so sad because people have empowered this man. People he he's he's been able to sell whatever he's selling, bro, for people yeah. to give them their their life savings and empower this man. Oh yeah. It's weird. It's a weird and, dynamic. But then, I mean, the fact that then people will defend the fact, like, I mean, he's yelling at a woman, a female reporter, cause she questioned why he needed to buy a $60 million private plane. And he's yelling at her and like berating her. And then everybody's like, it's okay. You know, why would you question the man of God, the man of faith? Like mm-hmm. he's still a human being just cause he's a pastor. Doesn't make him immune to the fact that he's being a dick right now. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I don't get it, but yeah, we'll, we'll move on from that one. Yeah. I mean, fuck yeah. Yeah, fuck, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, I would give him, if he did something stupid this week, I'd give him a dumbass of the week award. I've, I've, I usually give those awards out every week, but I don't have one to give this week to anybody. <laughs> it's a good week. I mean, maybe Donald Trump, nah, whatever. Screw him. Yeah. Yeah. He well, always he's, gets, he's, yeah, he's old news. No, he always gets one. I saw somebody said this morning, they were like, uh, what did they say? He said, they said basically, um, it's been two slow news days in a row. The world's going back to normal. I was like, is it? Is it? Is the world really <laughs> going back to normal? I don't think it is. But hey, what do, I, what do I know? So there you go. Um, dude, so Jin's upcoming fight. I mean, how exciting, how exciting is that? Third UFC fight? Yep. Dude, I, yep, yep. I can't wait. Good preparation. Like she's, she's in a, she's in a good state physically and, and with training and, and her training partners. And she's, yeah, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, the fruits of her labor, uh, yeah. so to speak, uh, when it comes March 13th. Back to tomorrow, we have, a uh, her and one of her main training partners, uh, Cheyenne Bays, uh, over in Fortis. I did yeah. so, so, uh, Jen has, um, has go ahead and hopped on and, and began has begun training with Fortis uh, pretty much full time and of course still training with with me uh, throughout the week as well and 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 of course I'm I'm still like orchestrating and, and doing as much as I can but she's been getting a lot more work over there specifically because of uh, some of the training partners yeah. over there. and Safe Safe has a really good I mean he's just his approach to, to fighting is is incredible right and he's a he's a he's a strong motivator and, and things like that. But so what Jen and uh, Cheyenne have done is they've uh, put together like this little mini female camp for tomorrow and, t- and Tuesday. And so you have some girls coming from Oklahoma City and uh, some from Johnny Bedford Gym Fitness Fight Factory and uh, one from Waco, uh, Jake Brennan School Blitz MMA. And Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's going to be like a good group of, uh, of, of professional girls and they're, they're going they're going to go hard uh, you know, they're, or they're going to have some really good training with each other and yeah. you know, sharpen sharpen those axes uh, tomorrow. I'm excited because I'm, I can go into my 10th planet jujitsu class uh, from nine to about 10, yeah. 10 30. And then I'm making the drive over to Fortis, probably have some breakfast over there and, and meet Jen and, and get to sit in and, and watch and, uh, and uh, let watch safe orchestrate the, uh, the female camp. Man. I mean, 
the, all those people you named, Cheyenne, Cheyenne's amazing. Uh, all the people from down in Waco. Um, what's her, what's her name? Uh, Haley, Desiree Haley Cowan is coming up here. Who is Desiree? Oh, Gomez. dirty Des. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then you have like Emily Dakota is coming. Okay. Uh, from Oklahoma. And then, uh, there's a girl that I haven't met yet, but it's Cheyenne's uh, best friend out of Las Vegas. She's flying in for it as well. And, um, yeah. So like I said, like really good professional fighters. That's crazy. But I mean, now it's getting together and gets work in. Thanks pandemic. That'd be the perfect thing to shoot. Cause I like all of those people, but no, <laughs> I have to work. Wait, no, I don't. Tomorrow's Martin Luther King day. Black people don't work tomorrow. MLK day, bro. Who I forgot. <laughs> Somebody, one of my friends told me, he's like, if, if they started making black people work on MLK day, there would be riots in the street. <laughs> like, but tomorrow, tomorrow's a national holiday though. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. yeah okay. Nobody's working, but you know, Crazier things. I'm going to be on that grind, bro. Hey, but my work is a little bit different. <laughs> there you go, dude. So, what made you get into martial arts and and things of that nature? Oh shit, man! That comes that comes from about 1995. Hold, hold, was Not a little later than that. 16, 17. I was about 15 years old, so this would have been 97. And um, I was, I grew up in Amarillo, Amarillo, Texas. And in that time, that was the Mecca for MMA um, in the United States. Really? And yeah. And out of the panhandle, out of Amarillo, particularly came a lot of really good hard nosed fighters who fought in pride, became UFC world champions, uh, fought for Bellator, like done, have done exceptionally well. Um, And we're looking at even Jen, Jen's from, from Amarillo as well. And so it's like, it has continued on for uh, you know, going on three decades, right? Shit. Or three decades, four decades. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so uh, growing up wrestling up there in Amarillo, which uh, the Panhandle is known for really good wrestling uh, back in that that time. And um, we would go out to the fairgrounds to watch our fight, our favorite fighters have a fight card, and they would fight Pancration style. So Pancration mm. was, ultimately it's MMA, but it's instead of closed fists, you had to do open palm strikes. You, know, I mean, you may see like the old Frank Shamrock and Boss Root oh, and, yeah. and those guys do it. And um, so right there, like watching those guys win, some of them were, were my high school wrestling coaches and assistant coaches. And so watching them, like I was so inspired. And then um, I, had a, uh, I had a wrestling scholarship to Nebraska Kearney um, that unfortunately I made some stupid, stupid moves in my young young life and uh my scholarship got, got taken away before i could even get up there and get on their mats um but a couple of years later when i moved here in uh, the dfw area uh 2005 my brother as a gift got me a three-month membership to the gym yeah uh, promoted mma and and i walked in i paid my bussy uh three months up front and uh from that day forward i started training two days and uh and Ultimately, the snowball effect that I talk about is brought me to where I am today. Uh, just over 15 years deep in this game. Wow, man! I would have never guessed that Amarillo was a was a mecca. What? What? Yeah, you what? know, uh, you've heard the names Heath Herring, oh Evan yeah, Tanner, Paul Buentello. Oh yeah, uh, all all Amarillo uh, Amarillians. Really? Yeah, I, I didn't know Heath Herring was. I knew Paul Buentello yeah, was. Yep, Paul. So Paul went to uh, Caprock High School. Uh, Evan went to, I believe, Tascosa High School, uh, and Heath went to Amarillo High School. And I went to Amarillo High School. Got f- fucked up the, my senior year and had to go graduate at Tascosa because I I lived in that district. Mm. I was a transfer student in. Uh, but in the four years that I was at Amarillo High and wrestling, um, Heath's younger brother, uh, which is a fucking giant, he's like seven foot tall. He was like seven foot tall. <laughs> 350 pounds back in, in high school. Hunter um, was one of my close friends and fellow wrestling partners. So it's like, um, I was, I was really close with Heath uh, and of course getting to see and train with Evan and then Paul, I didn't ever know him, but um, one of my old wrestling coaches, Ali Elias, an Iranian uh, wrestler who he's the one that got me in for Nebraska Kearney because that's where he ended up graduating uh, college at, but he would ultimately became a, uh, Pancreation of, I think it was USWF was the name of the promotion, became their middleweight champion. And I was like, that's my coach. Like, I was yeah. so, so happy, so inspired by it. And 
yeah, like I said, like just watching those guys, they were, there was almost like I was my pro debut. I got to fight for shark fights. One shark fights was used to be like the big feeder into the UFC. And it was, it was owned by like my family, my, my closest friends. So I, I got brought into that to be, to be a name for shark fights. And yeah. with shark fights, one, my pro debut, I got to fight in the same arena that I watched my idols fight in, you know, and f- almost 15 years earlier. Wow. And uh, yeah. So like, Bread, bread for this stuff. I bread yeah. for it, dude. That's I mean, this it's been, all this has been part of my life longer than it hasn't. Man, full circle. Talk about full circle moments. Like, like those are all. I mean, I look back at like things that have happened to me, like in the fight game, like connecting with you, and you know. But then I'm like, okay, cool. I remember you from back with Johnny, and then just randomly getting. Yep. I mean, all of it. It's just all is coincidental, and I'm like, this. I mean. It makes me realize, like, okay, cool. This is what I was. Uh, this is where I'm supposed to be. Like, mm-hmm. things don't happen. Things like don't happen. Like when I tell people, like, oh, you know, I have friends who fight in the UFC. They're like, no, you don't. And I'm like, yes, I do. Like, <laughs> yes, I do. Like, like how? They just I'm don't like, know, bro. Just they and then they're like, how do you know these people? I'm like, I, I don't know. I just reach out and ask, and you know, like it's it, it just working. It just works out somehow. Yeah. Because I mean, like you know, people don't have to respond. Like in a couple of weeks, there's a a, a lady, an actress from a, a TV show on Netflix. I just asked. I'm like, hey, will you be on my podcast? She's like, sure. Tell me when. I was like, you know, no one like random people just don't do that. I'm like, okay, so maybe I'm supposed to do this too, in addition to photography. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, it just all works out, and I'm just like, okay. I love it, bro. I, I, it it works, man. Man, it's. I mean, I yeah. I I miss being in the gym, like hanging out with everybody. You know, everybody. You know, people are concerned. How how's it been with COVID in the gym? Like, I mean, it's a it's a different kind of thing. I mean, because obviously you're not going to roll with a mask on. And how how is that working out and playing a factor, especially because you just opened a gym? Yeah, that. Was- I decided to open up the gym in a very precarious time of humanity, didn't I? You sure did. <laughs> the one where we're supposed to be trading sweat and, and saliva and being in each other's faces. And, right. You know, it's, um, I've been able to make it work. And um, one of my guys uh, did end up testing positive, but it wasn't from being in the gym. He, he was, it was New Year's Eve mm. and he hadn't been in the gym since the day before, but he was exposed New Year's Eve. Um, and he got tested two days later, found out he was positive. And here we are two, two weeks, just over two weeks into the, uh, the year. And he still hasn't been in the gym. So nobody else has been exposed to it. And, uh, and he's, he's cleared, he's got negative tests and he comes back tomorrow. For me, that's the only dealing I've had with it in the gym. And that doesn't even count like me going to my jujitsu school. Cause I go to my jujitsu school, uh, four or five days a week as well. And right. from what I understand, like we have a pretty open discussion group and, there hasn't been anybody that's had to had to deal with any of the consequences or anything like that. And it's just like, like, let it be known. If you're not feeling good, don't fucking come to training, right. you know? And if you're not feeling good a couple of days later, go get tested because you may have it. You may not. I mean, with the, the common cold is still here. The sure. allergies are still here. The flu is still here. All these other things are still here, but it could be COVID as well. And if, if, if that's the case, then we need to go ahead and have you isolate just like we would have you if you had the cold or, or the yeah. flu or whatever it may be, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but, but as far as like COVID itself, I'm fortunate that we haven't had like any type of uh, any major issues. Yeah. I mean, that that's, dude, that's awesome. Cause I mean, I would have thought keep, that, keep, keep you know, the gym clean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Every day, all day scrubbing it down. So that makes sense. That, that helps. Yeah. I would, I would have thought that, you know, based on, I mean, cause you know, a lot of people like scientists, there was no scientific proof that said, this is, you know, you can get it by being close contact when you're in a gym or in a gym environment, like obviously like a, a weightlifting gym, but like obviously training is a little bit different because you're grappling, you're in very close proximity with somebody, you're sweating on them, you're breathing on them. So, I mean, you know, things like that are different, but I mean, hey, if if, if no one has it, that's a, I mean, that's a blessing. It, it, it is. It's a blessing. And, you know, I have 
hopefully, you know, we, it continues. We, we have a good, strong, healthy uh, team, like going, going forward. And, yeah. uh, you know, once the vaccine gets out and, and people start acquiring uh, their vaccine and, uh, you know, hopefully that starts to curb it as well, like oh, overall with our, uh, our peers, you know, our, our fellow Americans and fellow just humans in general. And, right. Um, I mean, it's not the first time humans have dealt with a plague or virus, and it certainly won't be the last. Sure. And so, I mean, we'll, we'll adapt, we'll overcome. Um, but I do think this is going to change kind of like our approach and our outlook on how we move forward with, uh, with our own lives. Yeah, I've, I've literally, it made, the, the whole pandemic's made me realize how disgusting people are, to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, like, you know, the washing of hands. I mean, like the things like people always like are going on and on like, oh, you're being a, you're being like a little sheep. You're just following like sheepy rules. And you're like, no, you know, I mean, then you have like the people who are like, you know, don't wear a mask, wear a mask. But me, I'm just more like, you're, y'all are just dirty people and you just want to continue being dirty and not care what anybody. Say it again, Byron. Say it again, <laughs> like, bro. Like that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like you should be practicing good hygiene without the government or whoever the fuck telling you, like you do this and you can hopefully curb catching a virus. I think this should have been instilled as a child. Right. You know what I mean, if you're going to sneeze, don't turn your face and sneeze, sneeze into your elbow. Like don't sneeze into your hands and then go into the grocery store and pick something up. What's up, bro? Like, (laughs) Like anything like, come on. I mean, like that's just common sense. Yeah, but but exactly. no, no, because I want to, you know, be safe and protect others and not, you know, wearing a mask. It's just so stupid. People listening to people like talk is just I'm just like, God, what, why? You know, I, uh, I because of how opinionated uh, people can be on Facebook back in like April, I, April or May last year, I I deactivated, deleted my, my Facebook. I was like, I'm just I'm over it. I'm done with it. I'll stick with Instagram. And um, and then like starting my business up. I was like, how come I can't tag my freaking location for my business on Instagram? Yeah. And come to find out, you have to have a personal Facebook page and you have to have a business Facebook page yep. in order to have an Instagram page that tags a location. And I was like, are you kidding me <laughs> right now? So around October, reactivated the Facebook. I don't, I don't use it at all. Started a Fry MMA uh, Facebook, uh, Facebook page only so I could get a location tag on Instagram. And I'm like, all right, so it's still open and stuff. But yeah. If y'all are listening, if you try to reach out to me on Facebook, I do not have the app on my phone. I do not check my messages on Messenger. Yeah. Hit me up through IG, send me an email, come into my gym. I'm at 2019 Avenue, Fort Worth, Texas. And we can have a chat. We can have a talk, right? Face to face. Yeah. I'm not giving out my phone number, but you get it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I mean, but the, the opinions, the opinions is what ultimately it drove me to that. Like we're in the middle of a pandemic. George Floyd had just been fucking murdered. Yeah. Like all the, all the, all the tension, like I could just see it and see it and see it. And I'm just like, no, I'm out. No, yeah. I don't want, I don't care. Like the, there were friends and family that were voicing their opinion. I'm just like, Oh God, now, now I don't even like my friends and my family that I've known my entire life. Like hearing yeah. what you're fucking like your stance on this. Right. I was like, it's better that I just don't know. So I'm out. Yeah. That's uh, the whole summertime was uh, it was different. I I mean, even the election season was different. I have neighbors who still currently are flying uh, Blue Lives Matter flags. And I mean, he had a I swear to God, a 30 foot Trump flag in his front yard and flew it. Without without shame. And now he's switched it to Blue Lives Matter after the Capitol riots protests. And I'm like, but really? Do you guys are y'all are y'all cordial cordial at all whenever you see each other? Oh yeah. So oh yeah. Like, huh. That's nice so guy. Weird. That's so weird. It it's very he's I, over the over the pandemic. I needed something to do, so I started like I built this desk. I I went to the scrap yard or not scrap yard to the lumber yard. Found wood. I just got into woodworking, so I built a bunch of wood stuff. He has a bunch of wood tools because he does the same thing. He let me have them. Nicest guy ever. Nicest guy ever. When he and then he tried to bring up George Floyd's murder. Him and my of uh, the neighbor who lives like right next door tried to bring up George Floyd's murder. And like we're like trying to because I'm black and they're trying to be like, oh, I saw the video of uh the guy getting murdered and uh it was 
bad? And I was like, yes. Yes, it was bad. And he was like, he was stealing something? I was like, no, he wasn't stealing something. What? What are you talking about? Like he passed, and then like he passed a fraudulent twenty dollar bill. It's like, yeah, but why would he need to be murdered for that? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very yeah. Like the, it's again, yeah. Like like you said, like summer, summer was wild, and you know, a lot of that, a lot of it stemmed from from that exact thing is uh, Floyd being murdered by a fucking cop kneeling on his throat, yeah. and. um it made me, yeah, it, I just had to unplug from from where people can voice their opinions that I don't fucking care to hear about. <laughs> oh, man, a, a lot of people say a lot of things I just don't care about. And I'm like, eh, do I really have to listen to this? No. Yeah. Delete Facebook app. Yeah. Yeah. Open it once a week to post stuff about the podcast. Yep. That's yep. it. Every yep. other time I'm like, I don't need this. <laughs> not worth my time anyway all right um we were almost at an hour so dude um if y'all want to go to his gym what was the address of the gym again uh 2019 8th avenue fort worth texas fry mma um, fry mma inside of Southside muay thai there you go uh instagram uh, dot is uh at douglas fry D- douglas dot fry Yep, Douglas Stop Fry for uh, my personal account and uh, Fry MMA for the uh, the uh, athlete page. There you go, everybody. If you're ever here in Fort Worth, Dallas area, please come train. He, he's an amazing trainer. I've been there with him and his wife. Oh, his wife is a very talented world champion fighter. I mean, she's I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can't we can't hype we can't hype Jen up so much. <laughs> Her fight's in March, March 13th. So tune into the UFC on probably ESPN or ESPN Plus. And uh, yeah, there you go. Dude, I appreciate you doing this. Oh, man, I'm so glad you reached out to me. This is fun. I really enjoyed it, Byron. Dude, I did too, man. It's great. All right, anyway, I will see everybody next week. 